man, that's so great. <laughs> We'd always give words like this. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, no, I'm not. You can still keep playing music. Oh, no. No, that's what I'm saying. That's so great. Like, please, don't stop. <laughs> we got to get our nods together. If I sent it in an emoji, it'd be easier to understand. <laughs> that's nothing about you. That's all about me. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just going to wait here a second. Hope that's okay. You don't really have a choice. So. anybody in here who um, would feel like maybe they're in like a tough place, um, a tough space, a tough situation, um, you know, doesn't speak of your sonship or lack thereof, or daughtership. Thank you. But if anybody, would you stand up? Just if you're in a tough spot, a tough place, there's a conflict. Yeah, so... I felt like the Lord was saying, um, he is the good place. He is the good place. The bad place or the good place is kind of like this broken paradigm. He is the good place. There's one place that is good. Every good and perfect thing comes from above. He is the good place. So if you're near them, would you just uh, lay a hand on them? Hug their neck. And we're just going to believe We're not going to beg God because we don't have to. We're just going to believe. Yeah, you go ahead and just start praying for him. Just believe. Just believe. Even if you don't say anything out loud, just believe. Just believe that not only is God working it back for their good, but it's already done. He's already done it. He'll do it. He's already done it. Just believe. simple gospel, baby. We believe. So I had this quote that I was going to do when I taught today, but I think it's meant for now. Um, If God can take any mess, any mishap, any wastage and wreckage, any anything, and choreograph beauty and meaning from it, then you can take a day off. If he can't, then get busy. Either God is good and in control, or it all depends on you. So we just believe, Lord. We believe that you're in control. We believe that not only will you do it, but you've already done it. You stand above time. You're the Alpha and the Omega. It's who you are. You don't change or shift. You stay the same. And you are in control. And you are good. And I just declare over my family that they're in a good place. You are in a good place. Say in your heart, I'm in a good place. Yeah, because you're in him. There's only one good place. This whole thing doesn't work without his presence. There's only one good place, and that's in him. And he's either in control of it all or he's not. And we believe he is. And he works it back together for our good and for his glory all the time. So believe for that thing. You don't have to beg him. Just believe.
Yeah, let's stay here. It's good. It's good to marinate in the goodness of God and just believe. Like all, all my hope is in it. I have, I have no other safe place to put my hope. He will do. Amen. You guys can be seated. Yeah, Lord, you're good. You'll do it. Right? <laughs> He's just never going to let us down. He's just goodness and mercy. Follow us. You know? I had this day the other day where I was uh, driving around Atlanta trying to do a bunch of business stuff. And, you know, I'm in a season of life where. I have companies that are like um, very small, but they're growing very s- slowly, but they're growing. And so I'm learning how to manage that growth and what to do. And I had this day that was like, you know, one of the things, there's like four wild things that happened. If one of them would have happened on any day, it would have made my week. I had four of them happen in the span of like six hours. It was just, I mean, the day was just anointed. I don't, I don't know any other way to say it. It was this crazy day. And um, I'm sitting in my car and uh, driving and just asking the Lord about it. I'm like, God, it's like, man, I have so much favor in you. And the Lord was like, every day, every day. Just because it doesn't manifest the same way in your life on those days. And some days, from our human perspective, look so much more blank than others. For that day, favorable. The truth is, is that as a son and a daughter of God, we have deep wells of favor in our life. And Holy Ghost goes before us and prepares the way. Ephesians 2.10 says that there are live works that God has set up He's appointed even before time, before our our parents, before our our wombs. Live works for us to walk in him. And as we stride with him, we walk in them. Whether it looks ministerial or totally secular, like that's a broken paradigm. He is everything. Everything in the earth is his. I got so weirded out one time when I was riding in my car and I was listening to Jimmy Eat World. Some of you young babies might not even know who that is. Or if you made your little sister listen to all your music, you know, then they know who that is. And I'm sitting there listening to this Jimmy Eat World song and I don't know what it's about. Some, some upbeat, fun song. And I'm starting to have this encounter with the Lord. Deep encounter. Like Thursday night of youth camp, like rededication encounter you know like that's my world I grew up in I grew up going to youth camp all the time so it was on that level I mean it was it was wild very very wild and I'm like I was kind of weirded out a little bit because I'm like Lord this is like not a Christian band I don't don't think Jimmy are you a Christian you know like trying to figure out like and my grid is just so small my paradigm my grid is so small my biblical worldview that I, well, that I got paid for to go to seminary for, you know, is so small. More than a biblical worldview, I need the presence of God. If you pursue a biblical worldview, praise God if you find the presence. You know, we will find his presence as we dig into him, and that's his word and his character but man, I, I, need a, I need the presence of God much more than I need a biblical worldview. And I need a biblical worldview. But his presence is what we need. And his presence is what satisfies this anguish in our souls. 
that we look to find met in other ways. And it just keeps shifting around and around and around. And we keep desperately looking, tricking ourselves, justifying ourselves that we're like satisfied. And we're not. We're not satisfied without his presence. Without full fellowship, it's just, and when you taste it, and I, I so believe that's why the Bible calls out to say, taste and see that God is good. Because when you taste full fellowship with God, from the most conservative to the wildly charismatic, who cares? When you taste full fellowship with God, when you commune with his spirit, that's also why I believe that he established communion to have fellowship eat my flesh, drink my blood. There is no more intimate thing. Become one. That's why the veil was torn, because we are, it's impossible for us to be satisfied outside of that. And there's a rest that comes in that. There's a rest that comes from knowing that you are hidden in Christ, that all your needs are met and every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. He is the full manifestation of the invisible God that is very visible whom we serve. Yeshua is the perfect, perfect manifestation of Yahweh. And when we stay there, when you abide in that place, your life bears much fruit. My life bears fruit. But I don't, an apple tree doesn't say to itself, make apples. Ah! It's just an apple tree. And I am a child of God. You are a son or a daughter of God if you're in Christ. And you will bear fruit. And those fruits will look like love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness, and goodness, and faithfulness, self-control, and other things. But you don't have to, like, strive to bear this fruit. He will do it in your life. Stay home. You know? What's your name, sir, in the yellow shirt? Randy. That's a great name. I had a cousin named Randy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Me? <laughs> Randy. I just so sense um, that the Lord has just given you such a grace to be diligent, to be hardworking, to be sincere in the midst of insincerity. There's this trueness, there's this goodness about you. There's this thing that, that is totally God's like DNA in your heart and in your life. You're, you're just a good man. That, you know, and, and certainly there are choices we make in that. You know, you have to choose certain moments. You have to choose to be responsible. You have to choose to do the right thing. But, I bet one of the fruits of Holy Ghost on your life is goodness and faithfulness. I just felt like the Lord say, like, this is a diligent man. This is someone who is about the right things. So just know that in that, when you do that as a man, all the underlings and the peers around you, you know, a lot of things, some of the best revelations in life are, are much more caught than taught. You know, people, you can tell them, it's just like Jesus, it's just like the gospel, you know? We could tell them about the Lord, which we would do. But man, when they see him, you know, Paul went from like terrorist to deeply devoted, zealous, passionate son of God. You know, I just so see that ripple effect from your life, that people will just see goodness in you and around you, you know, and it's, it's just who you are. It's who the Lord made you to be, and um, I just want you to know like that. You, you, you'll probably never know this side of heaven, but there are like many people who've caught 
like that, that DNA in you. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody here really into boats? Have like a special thing about boats? Hey, same row. What's your name, bro? Brent? Yeah, you like boats? What kind of boats do you like? Any boat? Fishing boat? Awesome. That works actually perfectly. Um, so I just saw this, uh, this little boat. Actually, I, I was, it's funny because the boat I saw was, um, I was reading, uh, oh, I was in Travis's bathroom. That's where this picture came from. Not with him, just in this bathroom. And they have a, uh, they have a book. You know, I, my, my reading material for the throne room is, is much less, you know, it's just whatever, sports magazines or everything else. And they had like a little ch- children's Christian but sincere and not cheesy story. It was awesome. So I'm just sitting there, you know, reading. It was amazing. Some serious throne room time. There are these three trees in this book. And the trees, long story, it's a really great story, so I'm not going to ruin it. But essentially, these three trees, two of them wanted to be like super ornate or tall or fancy. They wanted to become these things. And uh, one of them just said, when, whenever people see me, you know, I want them to think about God. Anyways, that, their hopes and ideas and dreams about it, it didn't really work out. But then it did. It became this thing where they had an idea in mind. It didn't really work out. But what God did with that was the best thing that could have ever happened. One of the trees became the cross of Calvary. Another tree became this little fishing boat that Jesus sat in to um, calm, when he calmed the storm. And what was the third one? It's been a while. I just recently was visited the throne room. Right. Another tree became um, just another piece of, like, the gospel story. And so I don't know, like, about your life or about the things you do. Or, but I just want you to know, if, any, if anybody's room can vouch, I can vouch. That when you have, like, an idea or a hope or a dream in something that maybe doesn't work out exactly like you thought it would. You know, maybe you had an idea that it would look like this but then it became something else. I can promise you, as a life testimony of mine, that the thing that it becomes in the Lord is the best thing ever. It redefines life. I saw that little boat, and I think I, think I thought of you, I guess, in, in the way the Lord like works in your life in that. This little boat where like, yeah, God just like takes our stuff, whether it works out or doesn't work out, looking how we thought it would look, and he just does a really good thing with it. You know, what he does with it is even better than the thing we could have hoped for it to be. And so I just want you to know, man, like, I, I bless your life, and I bless your hopes, and your dreams, and, and your utter dependence on God. Like, just the way that we need him, you know? And I can, um, yeah, I can, I can relate. So just bless that, dude. Dream and hope in the Lord and utterly depend on him. Because, dude, he, he is the wind in that little sailboat sails out on the sea. And he's the boss of the sea. Yeah. So when he's in your boat, like even the craziest looking waves just have nothing on the king of kings. Yeah. Stay home. Keep him in the boat. Bless you, dude. Man. Yeah, what Miller's got a word that I wanted to share with you guys. We were in the prayer room this morning. Um, essentially, was gonna preach about this, and then what Miller like prayed it for like five minutes straight. So, <laughs> oh. well, Jesse kind of touched on a little bit of it, but basically, when we were praying earlier, um, the word rest like definitely was like heavy on my heart, not just for myself, but for the church, and I believe it's for us. 
Um, and thank you. <laughs> um, and the verses that came up in my in my heart were, you know, the word says that all who are heavy laden and burdened come to me, and I will give you rest. And um, his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. And so I know that this seems to be the theme right now that's been going on this morning, but. Um, that place of rest too is it's like it's it's all about it's all about the Lord and it's all about you just sitting and resting and leaning back into him and I feel like that's for us this morning but and you know in leaning back into him essentially like waiting on the Lord I don't know if y'all know but like that that word waiting essentially means eagerly looking for okay and so like waiting on the Lord and resting in the Lord is not just like sitting back and like not paying attention or not doing anything or whatever. It's actually like you're eagerly looking for the Lord in that place of rest. Um, and then I got this picture of a lake and the lake ha- had a dam and the dams were, were, were breaking and opening um, for good. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you know, but like when that happens, like it, it flows into the valley or the river or wherever it's going there, but it's flowing. And uh, I just saw this for the church and where where we're at, we get, you know, it's funny we were singing the song about not striving, like we get real busy, right? We get real busy. We got a lot of stuff going on. And um, and I feel like the Lord is wanting us to, to rest into him, but in that resting, like he's filling us up. Okay. So he fills up our cup. He fills up this lake not meant to remain in the lake. It's not meant to remain in the cup. It's meant to overflow. It's meant to flow. And so like the the scripture also came to me about, I forget where it's at. It might be Romans maybe, but all things are coming from him, through him and back to him. Okay. And so like the overflow that he's filling you up with is meant to stay in the river and flow is not meant to stay in you. It's meant to flow and come out of you, but back to him, okay? And so, like, just be encouraged that that place comes from a place of resting in the Lord and, like, resting in him. And so as we're resting in him, he's filling your cup. We, we ask to be filled a lot, don't we? So, like, fill us up, Lord, fill us up, fill us up. It's not meant for us to remain in that lake. It's meant for us to flow in the river. And so, like, be encouraged that I feel like he's breaking the dam to let it flow in the river, which is where he is at, okay? And so just be encouraged that that's what he's, that's what he's doing in us, and I feel like that's a picture of where we're going. Um, but it's not in a place of doing. It's in a place of resting. He's resting in him. He's taking you and moving you. And like what Jesse was saying, like that's what will begin to bear fruit. That's where the fruit will come is resting in him and waiting on the Lord. Remember that waiting, just eagerly looking for the Lord as he fills your cup fills us not to fill us and leave us there but to to flow out of us but it's from him through him jesus in us back to him so be encouraged yeah thank you for nobody else at least for me (laughs) so good he is like the, uh, he's like the tide in that sense, you know? I love, I love what you said in that. It's just get in the river because in that place, like, his tide, like, carries you. His, he, he's the current, you know? The river doesn't have to, like, tell itself to rush. You know, he is that current that moves us. for now. You got any? Yeah, that's good. You uh, got to live from that, that place of rest. And uh, I was reading in Psalm 56 this morning, and it says, you know, what, three times it says, what can mere man do to me? A lot of times the fear of man takes us out of rest. 
because we, we, fear, we fear man above God. What man thinks about his reputation instead of just, but I'm telling you, the deeper you go into the love of God, the less you care what people think about you. And uh, because God's love casts out fear. And the, the fear of man is what hinders us so much from like just taking risk in the Lord. And uh, that's a regular prayer of mine is to like, Lord, eradicate any fear of man in me because it's a snare. I don't want to be tripped up. I don't want to be hindered. And uh, I just want to fear God only. That's one of my declarations. I said, Lord, let me not love my life, you know, to the, unto death and the meaning just out. Let me be, I want to be willing to die for Jesus. I fear no man, but I fear God only. And that's something I declare over myself. And then God's just like, we'll provide you opportunities. It's just like you tell him, he's like, Dad, I want to learn how to ride a bike. He's like, here's a bike, buddy. So he will give you opportunities. He will nudge you. And if you totally blow it, who cares? What can man do to you? You know what I'm saying? Say somebody just looks at you and like, you are an uh, insensitive bigot trying to push Jesus Christ on me. It's like, what can he do to you? Is that, are they in control of your soul? No. Maybe they can kill you. But then that transition from death to li from life to eternal life is very small. So, um, where's, uh, Tommy, I want to tell you, man, that you, uh, I just feel like God's so proud of you get as a as a daddy this is a, this is Omar Sunday and uh, just so proud of you man I just feel like I just saw you carrying that that diaper bag back there I was like he's been has been a good daddy right there man he's just been a good daddy been, that's a good husband too you start wearing that Vera Bradley stuff you don't care anymore you're like yeah I got like turquoise paisley going on what can man do to me I don't care what I, what can man do to me yeah, I got turquoise paisley. And so, uh, but I just saw you doing that. It's just like, yeah, I'm serving your family, man. Serving it well. And I just want to bless you with that, man. Lord sees that. I'm proud of you. Um, let's stand up. We're going to worship one more song. And uh, this is the time where we worship. This is, uh, and we also give our tithes and offering as a part of our worship. And so if we can get that slide up. So actually, you guys can sit back down. <laughs> what I meant to, obviously, I need to work on my nods. <laughs> I gave, two, I gave, I don't know, what you said earlier when I gave Drake a nod, and he was like, oh, stop. And he was like, yeah, that whole thing. So no, I was, I was seeing if you had any more prophetic words. Yeah, I can't. I have one more word, and then I have a passage. So, uh, Mr. Lasowski. Um, when uh, when I was sitting there and uh, the Lord brought you to mind and um, it's funny what was that, uh, what was that Bruno Mars song you used to cover yeah dude that's my jam so really it's funny because I was like oh that's funny because the Lord uh, he brought this uh, song lyric to mind from uh, Bruno Mars he said uh, you know I was like, well, Lord, what do you think about Michael? After he highlighted him, he's like, I love you just the way you are. And I just thought about how I just love, like, your makeup. Just, like, love. I feel like I, I feel the Lord's, like, heart in it, like you. Like, who you are, your design, you know, the way you look, your face, your beard, your smile, your voice, your body. So the love, like, loves the way you are good, good, and like wonderfully made, you know, that who you are is like right, you know, and um, yeah, so that's what the Lord laid on my heart, Bruno Mars, he loves you just the way you are, so bless you, man, you guys can, uh, man, thank these guys, just like, yeah, thank you all.
Yeah. Bless you guys. You can sit down for a little bit. Appreciate that. Nathan and Drake. Thanks, guys. So um, if you've got a if you've got a Bible, right? Got my sword, baby. <laughs> if you want to go ahead and open up to uh, Romans seven. I'm going to do that too, so bear with me. Kill. So, a um, little bit of testimony um, about, about my life. Um, <laughs> I spent, uh, when I was 12, I said a prayer. Because I went to a thing where they, their aim, verbatim, like in quotes, was to scare the hell out of you. And uh, they did a little bit. And so I prayed to receive Jesus, uh, which when I was really, which was 12. And, you know, the Lord's just good and sovereign over that. When I was 15, I met him, though. <laughs> I was at a youth camp and just had a face-to-face encounter. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I love the... Uh, Man, I'm just going to, sorry guys, I'll, I'll even move this stuff back. I just, I've learned that when, uh, when me and Jessica and Travis drink up like staff meetings, it like helps if I like kind of just like walk, if I'm like sharing an idea. I'm just like, I don't know if anybody else in the room is like legitimately ADD, but when you are, and then you don't know it for 29 years, <laughs> and then your doctor friend's like, yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to diagnose you, and then you like pass this test in like the 90th percentile, he's like, yeah, 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 you know, and uh, it helps if you kind of find something else to do with, like, your energy. It helps you, like, focus on what you're saying. So if I walk or if I use my hands or if you're sitting at dinner with me and I'm, like, tearing up napkins or making orange peels into, like, Galaxian, you know, scenes, then it's, it's okay. It's just me, and he loves me just the way I, I am. So anyways, uh, when Paul was on the road to Damascus and had this encounter that forever changed not only his life but uh, life of the earth, um, because of his writings that came after that, you know, you gotta you gotta really think in context of like who 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 Saul was during that time, Saul Paul. Um, if you don't know, before he's Paul, he's Saul, and then he had a new name. So um, Saul was on this road traveling, and just as blinded, you know. And then in the little, uh, did you guys ever have? Did your parents ever rent like the? Uh, Christian little videos for you to watch as a little kid. They didn't have Veggie Tales. Veggie Tales is like the next generation. You know, we had like super cheesy, like, but biblical, <laughs> like, dramatizations. You know, so I always think about Paul on his horse, and the horse is like, ah! and Paul like slowly, it kind of like is halfway between animation and like uh, claymation. You know, it's just this awkward falling to the ground and. You know, anyway, so Paul's on this road to Damascus, and he's blinded, and, um, you know, I don't know if anybody remembers, but, like, the first thing comes out of his mouth is he says, who are you, Lord? And I was like, well, that's funny. Why did, why did he say that? You know, because really, Saul was like this, I mean, he straight up was like a terrorist, you know, a modern-day terrorist to us. What he did and does, it was like, War, political, and faith crimes. I mean, it's like ISIS back in the day. I mean, that is like his MO, and he's a zealot, and he's a radical, even amongst his own people, you know? Like, I don't, all, all, no, no um, Muslim that I know wants anything to do with ISIS. They're like, no, that is, are you kidding me? Like, no, evil, right? And so, the same way, even like Paul, Paul was pretty zealous even among the, uh, the Jews, you know. But he's a powerful man and a uh, Pharisee of all Pharisees. He revolved Hebrews. You know, he was well-trained. He had all the background. But, I mean, he was like an evil dude. You know, he was, um, yeah, he was a bad man. So keeping that in context, like, of who that is, what it would look like today, you know, and... He hits the ground in that claymation dramatization, 
And he says, who are you, Lord? And I was always like, why? Why did he say that? You know? I so believe that the reason that was Paul's first thought was because when you see Jesus for who he is, you get it. There's no, like, arguing or not understand. It's like, oh, you're God. You know? I've seen there's a lot of testimonies that have been coming out um, about people in the Middle East, Muslims specifically, who have been encountering Jesus in their dreams. Jesus will come to them in their dreams, and they'll get saved. They'll wake up, and they'll, like, have met the Lord. And they're like, yes, I, you know, they don't even know the stuff about him. They're just like, it, it was this man in white, and he was kind of glowing, and he's God. Tell me about this man. You know, it's like, but when you see him, you know. You know, you, you know. And uh, I always think it's so interesting in those moments, like, um, something that I love that Travis always shared with me is like, you know, always give people, and this is for you guys in, in leadership positions as well, always give people freedom. Because in an environment of freedom, the truth comes up. Like say that, you know, well, I'll give an example from my life. You know, I had a, a lot of what I would call orphan thinking in my life for a long time. I was like a strive of thon 5,000, you know, like all the time working really hard to do things for God that I thought he needed me to do. Um, and so they would give me freedom, though, to do things, specifically Travis and Jessica, would give me freedom to do things years ago because they knew that in an environment of freedom, whatever's there comes up. When it's controlling, you don't necessarily know where people are, are really at. You know, it's like when kids get, kids get really controlled, and I know nothing about being a parent, but I know a lot of my friends in youth group were under very, very restrictive, non-communicative home situations. And they got to college, and they were like the wildest kids I knew. You know, the difference between freedom and control is, is amazing. So I always love it when what's like some of the first responses in Scripture when people have these like grandiose encounters with God. Like when Job gets rebuked by God for quite some time. You know, Job 42.2, the first thing out of his mouth. I, I love that because it's, uh, it shows you like what like is on the tip of his tongue that he's learned through this whole experience with Job. So if you don't know, Job essentially had you know, say went before God and said, can I test your servant Job? And he crushed his life. And then Job still worshiped him. And then he crushed his life again. And, you know, then Job had friends come and uh, give him bad advice. And, uh, you know, it just, Job went on to kind of start feeling this um, bitterness or weirdness or not sure God was who he says he was, you know. And they're just having this dialogue for a long time, him and his friends. Well, God stops and, like, rebukes him, you know, it's the greatest rebuke of all time, it was amazing, because God just starts name dropping, like, everything is like, do you put the Leviathan to bed, you know, like, he just starts name dropping every creation and, like, every um, thing, and the first thing Job says in Job 42, 2, is, um, I know that no plan of yours can be thwarted, God, you know, it's like, for 42 chapters, we get, like, a 41, get a grid on Job's life. And the first thing out of Job's mouth is um, nothing you do can be thwarted. Like, you're the top dog. You know, you're king of kings. Like, that's, that's true. In the same way, when Paul, like, hits the ground, you know, who are you, Lord? He's like, he knew. I so believe that. I so believe that he knew. Because when you see Jesus for who he is, when you taste and see, it's different. When you taste the presence of God, not what it looks like, not how it manifests, the deeply most conservative thing or the most out there, tough to understand, charismatic thing, doesn't matter. The presence. When you taste the presence, and it's real, something happens where you can't be satisfied outside of that. When you see Jesus for who he is, something happens. It's like the, the response is like worship. The response is surrender. No one had to tell me to give my life to Jesus when I was at youth camp. 
you know. I, I was super trying hard to like Mac. I was a terrible Mac daddy. No game. It was terrible. I wasn't funny. Couldn't dance. And I had braces and zits everywhere. I mean, I just like, you know, but I was this outgoing, super goofy kid. And so I finally dropped that facade, which wasn't even working for me. So it was a good decision to drop it. And then when I saw him, I, I didn't have to like go talk to anybody. And I'm, not, I'm certainly not against talking to anybody. Like, God, check Travis's like text and call log. I'm certainly not against going to someone or talking to someone and asking for like encouragement, guidance, and help. But man, I didn't need anybody. I just needed Jesus. Because when you see him, everything changes. You know, then you start to see him in everything because everything is his. You know, I'm driving on this trip out in uh, Wyoming. I just lost my job. You know, after I had a season of life where everything I put my hope and dreams in went, and then I lost my job. <laughs> so it was like all my friends were like, crap, like, this is going to be bad. <laughs> but it wasn't because he just hid me. And so I remember I'm driving out here in Wyoming, and I'm driving around, and I, I'm insta-spamming everybody. You know, I never post on Instagram, but all of a sudden I post like, you know, 60, 70 posts in like four days. And in the beginning, everyone's liking them, and then they start trimming. By the end, like my mom likes them, you know. <laughs> Ashley likes them for like sympathy, <laughs> you know. I justify to myself that I'm just keep, I'm doing it for documentation because <laughs> I'm, anyways, stupid. <laughs> but I'm driving around, and uh, when you're in like a beautiful place like Yellowstone or the Grand Tetons, you, uh, man, you just see the creativity of God in a way that, you know, I mean, there's so many times, because they have all these little points where they've tried to like, stop here, take a picture, this is picturesque, in case you couldn't look around and tell. But those moments weren't even, there were just times where I'm driving down the road, and I'm having to pull off, you know, into like a field of wildflowers, because everything around me is literally like the most beautiful thing my eyes have ever seen. You know, you have these canyons that are painted. Like, I, when I start singing about our national anthem or our, our American songs, I'm like, oh, that's what they mean. I live in Georgia. I'm from South I don't know any of that. <laughs> I, I went to the ocean one time. <laughs> it was salty. I got stung by jellyfish. I was like, it's not the same. When you're like in, when you see God, you start to see him in stuff. I would just pull off and worship. I mean, I, I'd like have to put on Thurlow. You know, I wasn't even listening. I'd have to put him on. I'm like, oh, yeah, worship time. Because when you see him, you see him in things. You see him in everything. You know, it changes your grid. It changes your paradigm. It changes where you go and how you go. I can go in anywhere. I can go anywhere in any situation because I carry God. We are together, one. That veil has been torn and the Spirit of God lives in that. So I can go in anything. I can see God and find God. I can, God can totally encounter my heart when I'm Jimmy Eat Worlding, you know. He totally can, you know. So I just love, I just love so much in Scripture when those fresh things like with Paul and with Job. And um, when you taste and see that's like life in the spirit. So let's go to um, Romans. I don't know if you guys have ever been down the Roman road, but it's a doozy. We're not going down the Roman road. <laughs> One time when I was a youth pastor, I made cards for my kids that had the Roman road on the back. <laughs> I was like, guys, I got you. Whenever you're in a situation where you need to share the gospel, don't look to God. Look to this card your youth pastor gave you. Don't ever do that. <laughs> Unless God tells you to do it, and then, like, make a thousand and give them away, because they'll probably be super blessing to everybody. But when you just manufacture it out of what you think needs to be done, that's, there's less fruit coming with that, I promise. So I'm going to start Romans 7, verse 7. And I'm in the ESV, so it might be a little different. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would have not known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. 
But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. That's a nice word. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive, and I died. And just so you guys know, I'm going to be reading like a chapter in a little bit, so feel free to, for me, if somebody's reading this much, I'm like, bro, I just need to put my Bible down and listen to you. So if it's better for you to, we're going to be reading here for a minute to get some context. So that's really like ADD prep for anybody in the crowd. So it's probably just me. (laughs) The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Do that which is good. Excuse me, did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. Here we go. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Amen. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see my members... I see in my members, other parts of his person, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh... I serve the law of sin. Now we're going to move into Romans 8 for just a few verses. It's good. It's good context. I really, just so you guys know, a couple things in there as we move into Romans 8. Man, I just so relate to that battle. You know, I used to wonder why I was such a bad Christian. For years there was this lie, like Jessica was speaking of this morning, that was over my life. And it was a fundamental lie that I am bad. I just, like, am bad. I can't get my stuff together. I am bad. I ultimately need to do a lot of good to counterbalance this bad. Because even if I'm doing good, I got a lot of bad stored up. And eventually it'll come out. So I really need to prepare for the day, you know. Even I would, as I started to encounter the Lord more and put myself in environments that promoted that, you know, and friendships and in fellowship that promoted that, this was like me to a team. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Let's go to chapter 8. Life in the Spirit. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk according to the f- according not to the flesh but actually according to the spirit 
For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, I promise. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. And uh, I'm learning. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can't. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Lastly, last five verses. Thanks for hanging in there with me. So then brothers and sisters and kiddos in the back, bless them, Lord. We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, lost my place. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, I promise. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So that's a lot. But essentially, what I felt like the Lord has been teaching me and sowing in me and investing in me and what's that, tilling? Is that what you do on a farm? Man, where's Johnny? Tilling in me, making way, making good soil. Doesn't Jesus do that in my life? I know he does it in yours if he does it in mine. He makes good soil. Even when there's not a way, he makes a way. It's like even when your heart is hard, he'll like be so kind to you that you'll want to repent. You'll be like, gosh, you're so good. I just, I need to repent. You know, you don't even, he's not even like pulling you or dragging it out of you. His kindness leads us to that place. Even when we're broken as heck, you know, and so cold and numb and hardened, he just makes a way when, the, when there's no way. So one of the things the Lord has been really tilling in my heart and throwing seed and water on and everything else is this idea of, of doing life in Christ from the flesh versus from the Spirit. And living according to the flesh versus living according to the Spirit. And that's what I think Paul is really walking through in that passage is that battle. The battle of following Jesus like in, in the footsteps of Yeshua from his flesh or from his, the spirit that's been deposited in him. So for a long time, I, I really, really struggled um, for years, even as a, I was like a campus president for a ministry in college, uh, you know, or like a high school youth pastor. You know, I've got like those things in my history with God. A lot of time in those spaces and places were like really strive central, like working so hard to be good enough to like earn this title, which I really didn't even want. I was really looking for God's acceptance. I really just wanted him to look at me and say, you're my boy. That's it. But I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that, that, that cry in my heart. All I knew was like, man, I got, you know, I'm in this space. I'm I'm, uh, you know, our BCM leader. It's like, and I'm, they're supposed to name me. They're supposed to name a senior. They name me. I'm a junior. Like, ah, you know, like, you know, because they say they see the calling of God on my life or yada, 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 you know, 10 prophetic words. I, I love the Baptist church. I grew up in it. And so, like, Baptist people are so prophetic and they have no idea. <laughs> 
They just like speak such life. And like, man, God just laid you on my heart this week, buddy. You know? And I grew up around a bunch of southern people who were Baptists. So that's, that's my world. People who are so sincere followers of Jesus and don't even know they're like, you know, doing the thing. When they're just like, God laid you on my heart this week, man. How's that thing? I'm like, oh, it sucks. <laughs> you know? Thanks for praying for me. He's like, yeah, man, we just laid you on my heart, man. And um, so I struggled so hard thinking really in that space that I was a bad Christian. Because here I was, God, God had called me according to people around me in that time. And God had anointed me, whatever that meant. And I just wasn't good at it. I just I wasn't good at, at doing the thing. I wanted to be good. I wanted to do right. But like Paul says in there, he says, you know, I have the desire to do right, but not the ability. In my inner man, I love the things of God. But in my flesh, it is hostile to the things of God. It cannot submit. And for, for me, that looked like, oh, you're, you're a bad Christian. You know, you're, you're a bad leader. Um, you're bad. There's reinforcement of this lie in my life. Um, and then when you actually start to believe those things, you know, you become a lot of times what you behold. And so if you behold the face of God, that's, that's probably a good decision. If you behold and look to lies in your life, you're like, you're your life's own prophet. You'll see that stuff start to come to pass, you know. I was like, man, I'm going to tank this ministry because I just, I'm not good at being like this pious, righteous man, but I love God. And then I like helped tank the thing, you know, because I so believe that lie. It had so like been written. Um, I'd so taken it and just like put it in my soul, you know. You are your, your life's own like prophet. You, you will see the things you believe and think come to pass. That's why we declare. That's why we speak those things out. You know, it's not just like a, an act or thing that we do to because uh, we think it'll manipulate God, you know. Man, if we say this stuff, God will, you know, get in there, you know. But we do have, like, the ability in the Lord. There's power in our tongues. So we're believing. We're believing and declaring, you know, that, yes, God, you will do a thing. And I will not believe the lies of the enemy. I will believe you. You know, we're, we're not telling him anything he hadn't told us first. And all the things that we're declaring, you know, they're like, I'm in a good place. He's like, you're in a good place, <laughs> you know. Anything that we declare over us is, is really, it's that, it's that flow that Webb Miller was talking about. It's that him in us, through us, back to him. It's that cycle. And I just want you to know that your life in Christ it won't work from the flesh. It won't. I promise. Now, you may can hold up a facade, or you may can, and I did for a long time, and it wasn't fake. I loved God, but my life, I, never, I didn't set my mind on the things of God. I set my mind on the things of the flesh, you know? My, um, it wasn't until my life came to a crashing halt that in that place where I was just weak and weary, the promise of Jesus to give rest to those who are weak and weary really came to life. And so I think sometimes the battle for us as the church, as the people of God, is kind of like, you know, when you're reading through Romans 7 and 8, and you've got, like, you know, Paul giving very specific instructions, like, set your mind on the things of God. But at the same time, we're saying, rest. Are those two things mutually exclusive? You know, I don't think so. I think they both happen. I think God is so good at taking what little, you know, breadcrumbs we have, like the lady who, who gave all she had, and it was like a couple... My mom, my, I was always taught, it's a couple pennies, babe. You know, whatever the uh, money she gave in Scripture. When someone gave a lot and was boasting about it and she gave all she had and it was a little. You know, whatever we have, 
It's like the motive behind it. And we've fallen a lot of times into this thing um, where we're just performing all the time. We're striving, we're performing, we're working really hard. Um, if you've ever sat through an Elijah House class, which is essentially inner healing stuff, um, this is one of my favorite things they taught about. So performance orientation is a term that refers not to the service we perform, but to the false motives that impel us. Having brought performance orientation to death, we may then do exactly the same works in much the same ways, but from an entirely different intent in the heart. In bringing performance to death, we are not saying to stop serving or doing, but to die to the wrong hidden motives of the heart. Right? So I was, I was raised in a church. I was in church leadership before I knew Jesus. I met Jesus. I, like, strived from, like, 15 to 25 really, really hard to be a great Christian and was terrible, was a horrible Christian in my own eyes. Well, I, you know, it was only after death and resurrection that it became very clear to me that God never needed me to do stuff for him. He invited me into those live works. He invited me to co-labor with him because he loves me. You know, and when you, when you love someone like that, you want to be with them. And I started, my, my grid started to, to turn and shift. And I still do a lot of the same things, um, you know, involved in church ministry. I do events. I work with music. I did all that stuff before. But the difference is that those things no longer declare my value to me. My value is spoken for. And I think that is the key and one of the secrets inside of this Romans 7 and 8 text, the battle between our flesh and our spirit and doing life, doing the Christian life in the flesh or doing the Christian life in the spirit. Only one way works, and it's in the spirit. And I think the key to moving in the spirit and living life with God like that is to know that our value has been declared, that that argument is settled, and that we don't have to have, we don't even a lot of times know they're there. They're just brokenness hidden back in the chambers of our soul, you know. But man, when you get freedom from that, when we as the church get freedom from working so hard to like, either prove who we are or earn God's acceptance or live up to whatever supposed titles or leadership or identities that we've put on ourselves or other people have put on us. The freedom, oh my gosh. You come alive. You burn. And then you don't care if you're burning. You don't care if you're on fire. Before, if I was like on fire... I'd be like, man, is this going to, like, offend somebody? This is, like, if I'd go somewhere and I'm just, like, in this place where I'm like, man, I'm just like, ah, Jesus, you know? I'd be like, ah, it's, it, it might step on their toes or be kind of awkward or weird things. I don't care. You know, like, whatever. I don't care. It's just different. It's so, it's so different. And even still, even in this place, I mean, I, I'm so like, I feel the war within me, you know. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this from a place of mastery. Uh, I'm in apprenticeship forever, <laughs> okay. I'm still learning. Deeper, Father. Deeper revelation. Deeper. Take me deeper. Take me lower in the refi. Because I need it. But man, there is life to be found in the Spirit. It is a deep, deep well, and it's a river, and you hop in, and he's the current, and he moves you. I couldn't believe the other day when I'm riding around in Atlanta, I'm telling you, like, mad doors opening up, just like favor bombs, boom, boom, boom. Every time I went to one, another one would open. It was crazy. Like, all day, I was like, can I do this every day? God's like, every day. It just might look different every day. So you have the favor of God on your life every day, you know? So I really think that that was um, what the Lord had for me to really dive into this morning a little bit. It's just like sharing with us as a family just about that concept of like resting in the Lord. And that resting doesn't necessarily look like doing nothing, but it at least looks like not striving. 
and not trying to perform for God or each other or whatever. But that there's a place in Yeshua where you can be hidden and you can be in the river and he will move you. He will go. He will do. He will open up the doors. He'll do the stuff, you know. We don't have to beg him. Like, he'll do it. We have to believe him. Most of the things we need, he's already, like, spoken and given. It's believing him for those things. You know, it's believing that God will take this anguish in my soul and will quench it. And that Netflix won't. That great friendships with amazing spirit-filled believers won't. That ministry won't. That companionship won't. That ugly things, like vulgar things, you know, that lust and lies and, you know, just fleshy choices won't. None of those things, good or bad, satisfy that anguish. Only his presence. And it, it won't work without it. So I just, I bless you if you're, if you're trying really hard to be a good Christian and doing terrible, I just bless you to die and to have life totally fall apart because I promise he will pick it up. And when you see that, it teaches you a new thing about God. I used to try so hard to have faith in God. I got to have faith. I don't have to, I mean, it's just different. It's different now. It's like, oh, man, like, I was worthless. And you said I was so valuable. You didn't just say it. You came. I was talking to a good friend on the phone the other night, and, man, they're going through, like, a really hard time. And I, was, I didn't know what to say because I was like, I, I don't, you don't want to tell somebody you hope their life falls apart. You don't want them to have to learn like that. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, God can give you wisdom ahead of time, you know. But I know what happens when a life falls apart for like someone who is a son or daughter in the Lord. He comes. He will always leave the 99 for the one. Always. He'll always come. So I just bless you to die, you know. To wherever you're striving, stop. Instead of trying to trust the Lord, just trust the Lord. Instead of trying to have faith, just like let him build your faith. Because in those moments where like you've had history with God, you have testimony of what he's done, it'll build your faith. You know? The next time, it'll be easier to believe. The next time, easier. The next time, easier. You know? He builds our faith. Whatever we try to build uh, crumbles. So I pray if you're building something that it crumbles quickly. And that might totally be horrible. But it will save your life. 